This episode of Shaun of the South is brought to you by Case Knives, America's foremost manufacturer of premium knives. Case Knives have been treasured items that have been passed down in my family for generations. Let's put down the phone, shut off the TV, and go outside and get your hands dirty. Keep your hands sharp with a Case Knife. Hey, you are listening to Shaun of the South. I'm your host tonight, Shaun Dietrich. And man, we've got a great show lined up for you coming to you live via the podcast, airwaves, and the radios all over the nation. This wonderful group of folks you see behind me here on the stage fixing to bring in this brand new year for you here is the steam machine everybody steam machine a little bit of our mail this evening, a little bit of our mail sent in to us from listeners all over the nation who had nothing better to do and put pen to paper and give us a few sentiments, a few sentiments, or legal documents asking us to cease and desist. (laughs) First letter of the evening comes from Kerry Landrum, Topeka, Kansas. My mom lost her coffee maker on accident. 
It happened when she came to my house for a short weekend trip and nobody could seem to find it when she was ready to go. It could have been my husband who claimed that her coffee maker was so old that it gave every cup of coffee a plastic rubbery taste and he said it's got to be unsafe. So she's gone back to making her coffee on the stove percolator now that she's back at home. I went to visit her and she brought out that old corn and ware percolator. It's made out of porcelain. And I forgot how different coffee tastes when it's made in that thing. My dad used to make coffee in that and he first let me try my first cup of coffee when I was seven years old and I almost gagged. I love my father even though he's gone. It's funny how smells and tastes can trigger a memory that you almost forgot. We miss my dad a lot at Christmas and at New Year's. Pat Schofield, Austin, Texas. My grandkids are kind of into your show. And they told me about it, and we started listening to a few of those podcasts one night in my kitchen while I was cooking, and they were giggling at the table, and I started listening to exactly what you're saying, and I will admit, I do not find what you talk about to be very entertaining. (laughs) But then you can't blame me, Sean, because I grew up with the greats of entertainment, like Johnny Carson, Ed Sullivan... And I am even old enough to remember Jack Benny. People don't do the kinds of shows they did anymore, but yours struck a chord with me because it made me glad that my boys were listening to something like I used to listen to on the radio. When I was a kid, I used to listen to The Lone Ranger with my brothers. And something about your show brought back that same feeling. So I just wanted to say thank you for entertaining my grandkids. B. Smith, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. I don't know if you'll read this over the air, but I wanted to wish my daughter a happy birthday. She's had her third daughter this past week, and we're all so tired from being at the hospital. I am so happy for my baby girl who is turning 28 this Wednesday on December the 26th. I am so proud of her because when I had her, the doctors told me I couldn't have a child at all. She was my miracle. And after having her, I was pretty much done, medically speaking, with babies. But she has blazed a new trail for the women in my family. And she's had three kids. Something that makes the mother and me feel so honored that she's getting to do something I never got to do. But anyway, it doesn't matter because she's got all my love and she's still going to get all my love. Jessica is her name, and I can't think of a better present than to have a baby on your 28th birthday or thereabouts. I love you, Jessica. Alan Pendleton, Huntsville, Alabama. A funny thing happened to me on the way to... uh, A funny thing happened to me this morning on my way to visit my kids in Georgia for Christmas. I was driving, and I came across a white Scotty on an empty highway just south of Atlanta. And I stopped. The dog had no collar and it looked like he hadn't had a haircut in forever. So I thought it over, standing by my car, and I decided to take the dog with me. And I covered my seats with a few old t-shirts because he was a mess. And we drove to my daughter's together. And to make a long story short, this is my new dog now. And I have decided to name him after myself. So I call him Alan Jr. My kids think this is hysterical, but hey, 
I've always wanted a son and I never had one, so why not? He's an old dog, I can tell this by the way he limps, but he has become my buddy. So I just wanted to tell you that. Love your show. Keep it up. Your friend, Alan. Dear Alan and Alan Jr., I hope you have a happy new year. Charlotte Jean, Seminole, Florida. We listened to your show. We were driving to visit my kids in Tallahassee, and we enjoyed it. You made the miles just fly by. And I wanted to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and any other holiday you might celebrate in this time. Denise Wills, Weston, Missouri. I don't know how you get a letter on your show read out loud, but I'm giving it my shot. I want to give a shout out to my best friend, Mary, who introduced me to your show this year. She just graduated with her GED and now is going to be going on to college. And she's got some pretty big dreams and she is killing it. And I don't feel like she got the celebration she deserved this year. She's worked so hard, and we've been friends since we were four years old. She's had a pretty tough life, but I'm proud of her. She's gotten through the worst of it, and now nothing can stand in her way. She's making her kids and her husband and her mother all feel the same pride I feel, and that's just in one year. Imagine what's in store for her in the coming years. I love you like a sister, and congratulations. Dear Mary... From everybody here tonight, congratulations on your GED. Ben from Olney, Illinois. My mother recently had a cold, and since she's elderly, we took turns taking care of her, and we could cook for her and stuff, and my job was to sit with her at nighttime when she starts to feel a little better because all her meds kick in. I wish I could take some of those meds. But we couldn't find anything on the TV, so I started looking around for podcasts and audiobooks, and I found your show on accident. We listened to one, and then we listened to like four in a row, and I liked them, and my mother got really into it. So there you go. Just wanted to tell you that we like your stuff. Signed, Ben. Dear Ben, thank you very much. Donnie Tile, Franklin, Tennessee. Sean. I work in Franklin, Tennessee, but I live in a small, small town around it, which shall remain anonymous. But I left home when I was 18 to go see the world because I thought that I was just too talented. I didn't want to be stuck in my hometown. I wanted to spread my wings and fly. I wanted to make a name for myself. But last year, I had a series of things happen to me that made me leave where I was, and I had to move back home. And it changed me in a good way. The people there held nothing against me. And they were genuinely glad to see me when I got back home. And it was just what I needed. To be loved and accepted for who I am. And now I feel sorry that I ever felt so strongly about wanting to leave and break away from this place. I got a job in a nearby town of Franklin, Tennessee. It's a big place compared to where I'm from. But I still live at home. And I'm just kind of bearing my chest here because I feel like you can take it. Your friend, Donnie. Dear Donnie, I think they said once in a the movie, there's no place like home. Linda Borens, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. My son started learning how to play guitar this year on an old cheap guitar. 
but we have since bought him a new one and he will get it underneath the tree this year for Christmas and I can't wait to see his face light up. He's seven years old and he has had his share of medical problems in this life. His left hand only has four fingers on it total, counting his thumb. His thumb used to be his pinky finger, but since he was born without a thumb, the doctors moved it to his pinky, moved his pinky to his thumb area. So it will be a challenge for him to learn how to play this instrument. But he is the most determined child I've ever known and the most determined person I've ever seen. I have no doubt that he will learn it and probably be better than anybody else who plays it to the shock and amazement of everybody who is watching him. He is awesome and I can't wait to see my boy conquer his own life and live it to the fullest no matter what comes down the pipe. Dear Linda, May your son take what he finds beneath this tree we call life. And this new year, may he make music from it. May that music that took so much work to produce never, ever, ever sound like that god-awful disco or heavy metal music. And that's letters from our listeners. We're going to have another tune here from the wonderful band Steam Machine, everybody. Steam Machine.
Well, we had a string of good weather this past week, a string of beautiful weather, which is almost tragic for Christmas. You expect Christmas to have some bit of cold to it, and, and we did have a few days of cold weather, and we thought it was going to stay there, but it just didn't hold. It's, it, it darted out of our, out of our region like a, like a Baptist fleeing a holiness Pentecostal church service. Never to be seen again, the sun came back out and the sky was blue and it was languid and humid and hot and the crocuses and the rosebuds weren't really sure whether or not they should bloom so they just kind of stayed where they were. People had been planting ryegrass in northwest Florida in their front yards which grows green, lime green, unnaturally green in the wintertime and so it throws your, your mind off. You're driving through town and you see green grass growing the last week of December. It makes no sense. <laughs> I made the mistake of going out a few days before Christmas to buy a few last-minute gifts. Apparently, every other male in the entire population had decided to do the same thing. I walked into a store, and it was overrun with men, middle-aged men who were fitting in their last bit of Christmas cheer. It was so packed, there was a security guard standing by the door, an older man with white hair and a security guard uniform and a, and a belt with a nightstick on it. And he had a magnetic metal-detecting wand. And he would wave this over men when they came into the door. And he would wave it over them before they left the store. It's kind of perplexed now. Got right up to him and I asked why he was doing this. He said, well, you know, last year we had reports of shoplifting. Uh, especially on these last few days before Christmas. He said, so they hired me. I said, well, have you caught anybody? He said, no. No, he says, I think the reports of shoplifting were probably a little exaggerated. I just feel like a waste of space up here. I went through the store, and I was looking for a few last-minute items, and I started feeling bad for my new buddy. I mean, everybody likes to feel useful, especially at the holidays. I thought about what I could do for him. So I started reaching onto the shelves of the store, just tucking items in my pockets. Metallic items. I, I put metallic things in, in my front pockets of my coat and my back pockets. I paid for one thing at the counter, and when I was walking out, I made eye contact with him. I wished him a Merry Christmas. He wished me a Merry Christmas. And I said, hey, aren't you going to wave that wand over me? He said, no, I trust you. I said, well, maybe you should just give it a pass since they're paying you. He waved that wand over my front and over my backside, and that thing just started beeping. So he reached into my pockets while he was frisking me, and he found all these little things I'd taken off the shelf, and he grinned at me. He said, thank you, thank you. I said, hey, don't mention it. <laughs> yeah, kleptomania is a real thing. That's when you uh, take things, literally. Go ahead, take a second if you need to. <laughs> Went to Dothan, Alabama. Uh, Dothan, Alabama with some friends of mine. And I was there for an Advent church service on a Sunday morning. Oh, it was beautiful. Walked into the church of the nativity right there in Dothan. Walked down that aisle and found a pew at the front, which is really, really weird, you know, because I come from the Baptist tradition. 
And a Baptist chapel does not fill up from the front to the back. It fills up from the back to the front. Because we're very polite people and we don't want to sit up front. But in a Baptist church, everybody's got their designated seats. You know, if you've been to more than a few church services, who sits where? Everybody's got their seat. Aunt Flossie's got her seat. Aunt Eula's got her seat. Uncle Jether, he doesn't want anybody to touch his seat. So right up front, it's an ornate building, beautiful building. Tall vaulted ceilings and, and brilliant colored glass work. When the sun shines through it, it just shoots multicolored light onto the floor. People come down dressed in robes, and they're carrying things like a big cross on a stick. They're very, very liturgical. I did not grow up with liturgy. But I have some friends who are Episcopalian, and they were sitting next to me, and they were telling me all about it. They are telling me how church service really goes. And I'm fascinated by it. Because the priest will get up on that altar and he'll say things. And the audience knows to say things back to him. It's amazing. They had a choir. A choir was up there in the loft and they were all wearing pretty white robes and blue, blue collars. And they were singing at the top of their lungs in Latin. Latin. There was one soprano on the front row who had a voice so robust that it was vibrating the windows. And I was afraid they were going to crack and Jesus' little, little uh, mosaic was going to fall all over me. She was a good singer. And there was a man, a tall man, with singing. And I could hear his voice projecting right at me in that reverbing old 1905 constructed room. And it was beautiful. I looked up at the rafters and I just got lost in the sounds of Advent music. Gloria in excelsis Deo. Singing in Latin. That's not something we did in the Baptist church of my childhood. We, we had a choir. Don't get me wrong. We had a choir. And I was in the choir. But we didn't sing in Latin. We sang in khakis and penny loafers. And we sang songs that were intended to, uh, to remind you of some of the bad things you'd done the previous week. That's what a Baptist does. A Baptist is there to, to remind you of, of the evil you have done in this world so that he can help, help you get saved. That's the, that's the pinnacle of a Baptist service is to get somebody saved. They have this thing at the end of every service called the altar call. And they will invite you to the stage... To, to kneel down and cry and wail and, and confess your sins and then get saved. And to do this, we have music that goes behind this part of the service. We call this the invitation. The invitational. We've got our own vocabulary for things. The, the altar call invitational music is always the same song all the way, dating all the way back to Adam and Eve. It is just as I am, without one plea. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bids me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. 
and the preacher will be standing on the stage. At this point, he will all have already shedded his sport coat and rolled up his sleeves and loosened his tie. And he'll be pleading with people to come on down. And he will not stop this part of the service until one sinner gets out of his pew and marches down that aisle and puts his knees on that altar and folds his hands and says a few things to that pastor in the whisperings of his of his prayer and contrite heart and if by chance there aren't any sinners in the congregation during that service that song will keep rolling and rolling and rolling until somebody with liquor on his breath will come down from <laughs> And confess something to that pastor. Anybody will do. Anybody. And so, right around the 106th chorus of Just As I Am, members of the congregation are looking around at each other. Because somebody's got to go down there and end this stuff. We're all going to starve to death. (laughs) And so... My cousin Ed Lee and I would sit in our pew and we would play paper, rock, scissors to see who would go down and take a bullet for Jesus. (laughs) I have been saved 14 times in the Baptist faith. (laughs) I've been baptized thrice. And this is all because I was raised in the evangelical tradition where we sing songs and choir that are intended to inspire people to walk down that aisle. But this is not how the Episcopals do things. The Episcopals are interested in birds. Interested in birds. They even have their own vocabulary for things. And it doesn't take long to be around them to understand what their vocabulary is. Like, for instance, they don't call it, they don't call it a robe, what the priest wears. They call it a cassock, a cassock, C-A-S-S-O-C-K, cassock, comes from the ancient Latin word cas, which it literally translated means the lead singer for the mamas and the papas in the 1960s. <laughs> and they've got the word uh, for the people in the congregation. It's not, it's not the people and it's not the congregation like it is in a Baptist church. It is the laity the laity and they've got a, a certain word for the the area where the laity sits in the Baptist church we call them pews but but in the Episcopal church they call it the nave and of course these prayers that are exchanged between the priest and the laity are not prayers they are called suffrages and this comes from the Latin word to suffer because they are long prayers And your butt will start to hurt sitting on the wooden pews in the nave. (laughs) The woman came up to the pulpit. They do call it a pulpit. And she's not the priest of this parish. She's the curate. Curate. And that word curate comes from the Latin word cure. Which, when literally translated, means an alternative rock band from the late 1990s. And the curate's name was Alice. She came up to that wooden pulpit, that sacred desk. She placed her hands on it. And she delivered a sermon. Now the sermon was very, very different than any sermon you'd hear in a Baptist church. And the Baptist church would like to sermonize for at least an hour. 
In fact, our preacher, he would sermonize until Sister Alice Watkins would pass out from a low blood sugar. And she'd have to be carted out of that sanctuary on a stretcher. And that's how you knew that service was coming to a close. But Alice's sermon was maybe ten minutes long. Very, very short. I don't know much about Alice, but what I do know from from her sermon was that she was called to the ministry later on in life. Which means she was burnished with wisdom. The wisdom of age and years. Of course, that, that is also very different from our Baptist uh, tradition. The evangelicals who raised me, they were people who believed in early callings into the ministry. My friend Anderson, for example, he was called into ministry when he was about age two. And by the age of seven, he was already the church treasurer. And by age 12... He was associate pastor, and the very next year, they gave him his own church, and that was even before his armpit hair came in. <laughs> and so you get younger preachers, and their sermons are very different. They're wild-eyed, and they're loud, but an Episcopal is, is, is a little bit different than that. Now, I'm not an Episcopal. I was not raised Episcopal, but I do find many of the things they do to be very valuable. This woman named Alice gave a sermon that was honest and stirring. It was from the heart. She said she didn't know how she'd be accepted among these people, these Episcopals. She's afraid she wouldn't fit in when she was brought to this parish as a curate. She said she was, she was unsure of whether or not people would jive with her. And while she spoke, I was looking up at the rafters. I was thinking of the same thing. The same time. Because it was in this very room, this very chapel I'm telling you about, the Church of the Nativity in Dothan, built in 1905, that I myself had some of my first introductions into public speaking. Now, I was not designed to be a public speaker. I can, uh, I can look out and see from many of your faces that you know this. <laughs> I was a high school dropout. This used to shame me, but I'm not ashamed of it anymore. I went back to school when I was an adult, and it took me 11 dang years to finish, and I am not a doctor. (laughs) My father died when I was 12, and I dropped out of school in the seventh grade. It's something I talk about a lot. It was a source of great shame for me. Public speaking is not something that comes naturally to me, or at least it did not at this time that I started writing when I first got an email from a man who was the priest at this chapel, Church of the Nativity, Father Peter. He asked me if I'd like to come public speak for for a group on a Wednesday night. I wrote him back. I said, you know, I don't think so. Uh, You don't want to hear me public speak in front of nobody. But I'd started this blog, you see, this daily column, and I'd started compiling these columns into books and that's how it found me. Finally, I thought about it, and I decided I'd give it a shot. You know, why not? The worst thing that could happen is I get up there, and I make a complete knucklehead and expositron out of myself. <laughs> My wife and I left on a Wednesday afternoon, drove to Dothan, a few hours from where I am. Got there. The peanut capital of the world, Dothan is. We got to our hotel room, and inside the hotel room was a gift basket. And the, inside the gift basket were boiled peanuts, 
parched peanuts, roasted peanuts, salt peanuts, candied peanuts, payday candy bars, peanut mix, chocolate-covered peanuts. I could not believe it. We left for the church, church in the nativity. We're driving through traffic. I'm, I'm having trouble breathing in the car. I tell my wife, I say, what am I going to talk about? She says, I don't know. I said, I mean, am I just going to tell stories? You think anybody's going to even show up to this thing? I'm not a public speaker. I'm going to get up there, and you know what's going to happen. I'm going to blank out, and I'm going to make a complete knucklehead and express it drawn out of myself. <laughs> Got into this old brick building with vaulted ceilings and tall windows. Father Peter showed up and gave us a little dime tour of it. Beautiful, beautiful room. Beautiful room. Ornate. Nothing like the, the single-story, two-room clapboard churches of the evangelical traditions of my childhood. Father Peter took us to a back room and he said, we put the word out. You know, I don't know how many people you can expect, maybe a few. I was starting to feel sick to my stomach. He said, here's a room, you can gather your thoughts in it. You know, good luck to you. May God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) I was in that room. I was wearing a sport coat, the only sport coat I had, black, and I had a bleach stain on the back. I, I never felt more underqualified in all my life. I felt a lot like that curate, Alice, said she felt, will these people like me, or will I get up in front of, a, of an empty room of people who could care less about my stupid stories and make a complete knucklehead McSpazitron out of myself? That's what I was thinking. Father Peter came back in. He said, are you ready? And he handed me a microphone and he clicked it on, a little cordless mic. And I about puked all over his cassock robe. <laughs> he led me out to that altar. And when I got out there, the entire room was full from front to back. And I saw people who I'd never met before in my life and I could see them holding my books in their hand. There's an orange book that I wrote called Caution. This vehicle makes frequent stops for bold peanuts. And they were holding that book. Another woman was holding my very first book that I wrote. A book that I wrote during that one year that I started this journey of my life, whatever you call it. And I, I, on a whim, I compiled these stories together. And then I ordered 150 copies and I gave them away at Christmas. I thought this book would tank. I thought I would go back to work in construction and just go back to a normal, average daily life. But it did not happen that way. My life changed forever. And I opened my mouth and my hands were shaking. But before I could speak, the people started clapping for me. And then they stood to their feet. I hadn't even gotten a word out. And they clapped for me. Well, Niagara Falls. And then I walked up to that same pulpit where Sister Alice, the curate, stands during this story I'm telling here. And I told stories for about an hour. It was was really the first time I'd ever done anything like this before. And I'll tell you the truth, it was really really bad. It was God-awful, actually. And when it was done, I came off that pulpit and I went out back, and none of the people in that place left. 
They had all gathered out in Norfolk for the vestibule, that receiving area. I don't know what the Episcopals call it. And they were waiting to hug my neck and tell me something about what they liked about me. For one hour, these people ignored the fact that I was standing on, a, on an altar making a complete knucklehead McSpazitron out of myself, and they were telling me things that they admired about me, a dropout, an uneducated man. And after the night was over, I had received more hugs in one hour than I had received in six years of my entire life. It was the most profound night of my life ever. I'd never fit in before. I'd never felt like I was average or normal. I always felt beneath everybody else. But on that night, those people, they made me into something else. They made me an author. That made me a public speaker. Life is just so short. This year, 2019, feels very strange to say that, is going to be the best year of our life. I truly believe that. I truly believe people, people who you've never met before, are going to be coming up and giving us hugs. And giving us, giving us smiles. And a few words that are sweet. Sweet sugar words. That can change the course of a person's life. People who you never thought gave a rip about you are going to show up. And they're going to be holding your book in their hands. And they're going to be admiring you. And they're going to be telling you why. All you've got to do. Just keep your eyes open for them because they're going to be there. That's 2019. Above all, the most important thing in this life, if you ask me, is to just be nice. That and to not make a complete knucklehead McSpazitron out of yourself. Hey, thanks for having me this evening. It's been a wonderful pleasure. Thank you and Happy New Year to everybody here. Hey, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich. And man, it's been a bona fide pleasure if I do say so myself. This episode was brought to you by Case Knives, a tradition in my family dating back to my granddaddy, who once said the best way to cure idle hands is to build something. So keep your hands sharp this season with a Case Knife. That wonderful music here behind me today was Steam Machine. Steam Machine sits somewhere between the full round sounds of American old time string band music and the raw drive of early bluegrass with clean powerful fiddling and rolling three-finger banjo. These guys highlight the unique and beautiful repertoire alongside tunes and songs from Appalachia. Do yourself a favor and check them out at steammachinemusic.com. And while you're there, I hope you take the time to download their new album. You won't regret it. To find anything more about what I do, you can visit seanofthesouthshow.com. And there you can find a full archive of our episodes taking back to our very first one to this one you just heard. And while you're there, I hope you take the time to drop me in line and tell me a little bit about yourself to me about your grandparents' anniversaries, birthday announcements, bar mitzvahs, and ice cream potluck social invitations, and I'll do my best to mention them over there because I love to do that sort of stuff for my friends. And speaking of friends, friends, experience is what you get when you didn't get what you wanted. Adios.